Uh, one of my favorite holidays is actually New Year's. Yes, it probably is not going to ever top Christmas or even my birthday, uh, but it is at least in the top five. One of the things about New Year's that I like is that while Christmas is all about family, New Year's seems to be all about friends, relationships, and that is what it is for me. But I had the oppor- you, know, you have the opportunity to reflect on the past year with friends, to reflect on the highlights and the lowlights and what you were able to accomplish this past year, but all while looking towards the future. That's kind of what New Year's is, just an opportunity for us to think and dream about the future. Obviously, nothing changes about our circumstances from December 31st to January 1st, but there's this fresh perspective that comes that regardless of what happened in the year prior, we can really do a lot more the next coming year. And I think this is the idea where New Year's resolutions come from, where I didn't like who I was or I want to improve who I am in the coming year, and so we make resolutions. Some of you may have already made resolutions to lose weight from the two months of nonstop eating that you've been doing for the last two months. And maybe some of you are already failed that resolution and we're only three days in. But just a quick word of advice, if you're looking to buy medical, or not medical equipment, if you're looking to buy exercise equipment, (laughs) exercise equipment, Don't buy it in December or November or January. Wait till you start seeing it come up on Facebook Marketplace for $200 cheaper because people buy it, don't use it, and then it just takes up space. So don't buy exercise equipment in January. But we make these resolutions because we want to grow as a person. We say things like, I want to travel more. I want to read more books. I want to do more. I want to learn a hobby. I want to learn a new skill. Maybe some of us are saying, I want to spend more time reading the Word of God. I want to grow in my faith. I want to serve more. I want to do more. And we can go down the list of resolutions that we make every year. But we make these resolutions because we want to grow as a person. We don't want to be who we were before. Obviously, these are all good things to assess. But how often do we make a resolution to invest in in, in relationships with others? Before the pandemic, 25% of Americans were reporting feelings of loneliness and isolation. We are now 10 months into the, the coronavirus, and more people, more Americans are reporting feelings of loneliness and isolation. People are feeling alone. They're feeling confused and angry, and some people are ready to give up because of the events of the past year. So for us as Christians, we have an opportunity like we've never had before to come alongside people with the hope of Jesus. We may not have all of the answers that people are looking for, that people are asking, but we can point people to Christ who does. And I'm sure you're asking questions on Okay, well, who do I actually love? Where do I start? And this is where we find our passage today. No other book of the Bible deals with the topic of love more thoroughly than 1 John. This book teaches us who God is, teaches us that we can have a note that He is knowable, that He is a relational God, but it also teaches us what love is and why it is important for Christians today. The Apostle John wrote this book near the end of his life. And by the time that he wrote this book, 
Christianity had spread all over the known world. He wrote that Christians might know God, enjoy his fellowship, and enjoy the love and the fellowship with other believers. He uses the word love 15 times in these six verses. So if you weren't sure what he was telling you to do, it's very clear through his repetition. But he teaches us four things about love in this passage. And the first thing is this, is that loving others is a requirement. He says in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. And right away, John gives this direct command that we love one another. Yes, Christianity is a relationship with Jesus and not a religion, but John tells us in John 2 that if we love God, we will keep his commandments. And what are Jesus' commandments specifically? We can find that in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophet. So we could sum up the whole Bible in this, that we are to love God and love others. Meaning our motivation in the world is to always come back to loving others greater than we love ourselves. We are to care for people more than we care for ourselves. This is the biblical idea for love. And so everything that we say, everything that we knew, everything that we do needs to be grounded in our love for others and not in our for ourselves. And so Christians are supposed to be known for loving all people, Christians and non-Christians alike. And this is how Jesus defined his neighbor. But John goes a step further and he defines who the other is as other believers. Christians should be known for their love, especially amongst believers. This is who God wants us to prioritize our time and our energy. John says more in the next few lines, or it doesn't mean that we don't love non-Christians, but it means that we intentionally seek brothers and sisters in Christ to love and to be loved. This, so as we think about our faith, the beginning in our faith is always in the context of loving others. John says more in the next few lines, For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. Notice, love doesn't define who God is, but rather God defines what love is. Not by words or actions, but by his nature. We cannot know God apart from his love for us. Everything that he says and does is rooted in his character, his character of love, his unconditional, unchanging love for us. And we can know what love is and because we can know who God is. And I need to say real quickly that John is not saying if you're not loving believers right now, it doesn't mean that you are not a Christian. It doesn't mean that you've lost your salvation. But what it does mean that you are at a place in your life where, your, where knowledge of God is limited, where you don't understand who God is. And so if you find that it's hard to love other believers right now, you may not be enjoying God in your own faith. If that is you, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit just to renew your love 
for Christ. Renew your love for the Holy Spirit. And then also for, you, for the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see people as the Holy Spirit and God our Father sees, the, as sees people. But the expectation is that we love others because he loves us. We're his children. And so we love by putting our rights and our well-being of, uh, for others above ourselves. We are more concerned about others than we are concerned about ourselves. This is a selfless, a self-sacrificing, generous, unending love, not based on emotions or feelings, uh, but it ultimately seeks the human flourishing of others. This is the love that God has showed us through the life of Jesus and how he expects us to live amongst the family of God. So the family of God is the church, and the Holy Spirit, through this love, makes us look more like Christ, which is the goal of our faith. And so let me say that loving others is a requirement for all of God's children. But God expects us to love because we're his children, but love moves beyond words. The second thing that we learn about love is that it requires action. Verse 9, in this is the love of God, or in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. Now imagine God is sitting on his throne in heaven and he says, man, I sure love those humans down on earth in the midst of us suffering and dying. And he's in heaven saying, man, I sure love those, but he does nothing. I think we could make a compelling argument that God is not only unloving, but evil. If he is taking no action in his, in his, in his throne room. So inaction and apathy are in, antithetical to everything that love is. God didn't sit in heaven saying how much he loves us, gushing about all the cool things that we do. He took action to send his son to take on our shame and guilt. He took on human frailty to bring us into his relationship with him. He sent his son to die for our sins. He took the mess of our lives that we were making and he made it his. He died for it. His love was made known through his sacrifice. And this is the type of love that God, that cost every, God everything. But through it, through this love, we have a relationship with God. We can know God the Father. We can know God the Son. And through this love, we live. Christian love may have kind words, but it must be punctuated by action. One of my favorite Sundays a year at Restoration is our Sunday of service. And I was super bummed that we had to miss it this past year because of the pandemic. But it's, it's exciting for me to see people eager and ready to serve and to love our community in tangible ways, from cleaning graffiti to painting rooms, creating blessing bags for the homeless, and even praying for our city. It's encouraging to see the body loving each other and our city. This is a small sampling of the infinite ways that we can love people in our community, that we can love people at Restoration Church, that we, how we can love people in our city. As we think about how to love, it truly is limitless on all the ways that we can love the people in our world. But at the end of the day, Christian love requires action. 
So far, we've learned that loving others is a requirement, and it requires action. But the third thing we learn is that loving others requires us to pursue restored relationships. Broken relationships aren't anything new to us, but John says, verse 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Nothing we did deserved God's love. But because of his love for us, because he loves us, he took action to restore the relationship from the brokenness of sin when it was impossible for us to do it on our own. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in the midst of rejecting and hating God, while we were still in the midst of our sin, he stepped into earth, taking our junk, taking our sin, dying for us, and then reconciling the broken relationship from the sting of sin. Because of our sin, because of our rejection, because of our, even our hatred for God, God was the offended party. Through our sins, God was the one who was wronged in this relationship. Yet he is the one who has made things right. Yet he loved us, pursued us, he died for us, and he made it possible to have a relationship with him. And so through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, our sins were no longer held against us. They were completely and totally forgiven and all we have to do is receive God's love and then be a part of the family of God. There's no strings. We don't have to strive for God's love. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. We just have to receive and accept his forgiveness. You see, God loved us so much to forgive the innumerable ways that we have wronged him. Are you willing to do the same for others? Are you willing to put aside your hurts and your grievances and your rights in pursuing other believers in love and forgiveness without an expectation in return? Are you willing to step outside of yourself to right the wrongs in your relationship with no expectation that the relationship will be restored? This is to understand God's love is to understand what forgiveness and reconciliation is. We see in 2 Corinthians that we have the ministry of reconciliation where God has given us the ability to reconcile wrongs with people. As we think about this past year, it's been rough. It's been divisive. It's been ugly. We've seen Christians fighting about COVID-19. We've seen Christians fighting about over freedom or compliance, over the election, over racial and societal issues. These fights have led to bitterness and anger from the people of God towards the people of God. And many women, men and women who love Jesus are all over the board on these various different issues for various different reasons. It's okay to not believe about the same about all of the things that is happening. The Bible is clear that regardless of what your opinion is, we must strive to love each other. Romans 12 tells us that as much as depends on us, we must be at peace with all people. 
And this is the heart of the gospel, that loving others sometimes looks like we are attempting to reconcile the wrongs against us, or even we are attempting to reconcile the wrongs that we have caused other people. Offering love and forgiveness in its place. That's a quick heart check for you now. And these are just yes or no answers to yourself that I want you to spend time praying over and thinking about after today. But have you gossiped about another Christian recently? Have you spoken harshly against other believers for their views on whatever? Have you allowed anger and bitterness to take the place where love and grace for others are? If you answer for any of these, then you need to spend time confessing these, these sins, these relational sins to Christ. And the Bible is clear that if we refuse to forgive other brothers and sisters in Christ, God withholds his forgiveness for, to you. So after you confess sins of your heart, go and make peace with the people who wronged you or who you have wronged. Don't wait till later. And I promise you, if you do this, the Lord is going to do amazing things in your heart, in your mind, and a lot of your disposition will change in pursuing other believers. But when we right the wrongs in our relationships, God's love is clearly seen in our lives and Christians and the lives of Christians because love tells the world that we have been reconciled to God, that he loves us, and it is God's power which rose Jesus from the dead is the same power residing in us today. When we right the wrongs of our relationships, people see that resurrection power in us. Which leads us to the next thing that we learn that while John is repeating his command to love, with a key, there's a key difference here. The last thing that we learn of love is that God's love shines through us. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. John says that no one has ever seen God, and that's actually what the whole Bible says. Why? Because God is spiritual, and he doesn't have flesh. He isn't in this world. People can't see God. People can't hear God. People can't touch and feel God. But John is telling us, yet through our love for others, God isn't just made known to the world. He becomes visible. That is an amazing picture that through our love for other people, that God is seen. And so, this is people see God through us loving others. God becomes a knowable God. He's a relational God. And what we see is that the world expects us to live and love differently than them. Many can't explain why, but when our love for selves is greater than our love for others, it really gives them ammunition to further reject the claims of Christianity. It further hardens their heart on why they can reject God. However, when our love for others is greater than love for self, people come to know God. I heard an atheist philosopher once say that he would much rather have Christians as his neighbors than fellow atheists. 
While he said this, he said, yes, we have more to agree on as atheists, but as Christians, I know that when I'm sick, my Christian neighbors are going to care for me. When I'm not doing well, they're going to check in on me. When I am gone, they're going to watch my property and have my back for them. But he said that he is certain that they love him and that he is certain that they care for him and even pray for him. This is the love that comes from God dwelling in the lives of believers. It can be hard to love the diversity of people in our lives, people outside our family, the weird people in our family. But the more that we love God, the more that God's love is shining through us, the more that we find God perfecting his love in us. He's not leaving us to figure out how to love on our own, but he comes alongside us because we're his children, because he loves us. And as we understand God's love, we are able to love others like Christ loves us. And so it brings us to this. The aim of our faith is to love others. This is how God has chosen to advance his kingdom. He chooses to use sinful, frail people as the vehicle to bring the gospel to the world. He could do all sorts of different things that would be probably more efficient in reaching the, the world with his message, but he chooses to use Christians loving each other, loving others as the vehicle to advance his kingdom. And this is primarily how he grows his kingdom, through Christians loving each other, through forgiving and serving and praying and encouraging one another. This is a display of God's love and power to the world that, who are desperately longing for him. And he uses Christian love to draw people into relationship with him. There was a time in my life where I wanted nothing to do with God. I wanted nothing to do with the church. While I had been born and raised in the church and I know how to speak the language of Christianese, uh, I wanted nothing to do with God. My heart was turned against God. And I walked away from the faith. And this was through my own sinful decisions. But of course, I found myself lonely and isolated and just depressed. I eventually came back to the church out of, uh, after a long season. I didn't know why exactly. But what I saw was not perfect, but I had to rethink and reprocess everything that I had told myself over the course of the last three years. I had to rethink everything I knew about God and the church. I saw Christians loving each other. It, wasn't, it, it was just in simple and profound ways, but God used that experience to turn my hard heart from hating the church to a point where I can't even imagine my life without church, without the family of God right now. This was all a result of the Holy Spirit shining the love of, of, of God through Christians loving each other. And so the aim of our faith is to love others. Where do we go from here? As we look around the room, we, as we look at people online, it's daunting to see so many people and to think, it's impossible for me to get put together in the last two weeks. You expect me to love everyone. Yes, that, that is God's expect, expectations for us as his children. But rather than focusing on everyone and getting discouraged by the impossible order to love everyone, 
Why not focus on just one relationship to love and invest in this year? The new year provides a fresh time to set goals, assess who we were, where we want to be in the next year. And so consider finding just one person at Restoration Church you don't know to create a relationship with them, to learn to love them, and to commit to growing in this friendship with this one new person over the course of the next year. And then see how God is going to teach you who he is through this relationship. As I said earlier, we have the opportunity to love others like never before. Feelings of loneliness and isolation are far worse than we've ever seen. People need to be loved. People need to love. But think about the impact that God would have on the life of the individual, how through our loving them, how God could change that life because of the Holy Spirit working in us. Let's be a people who love often, who love well, who love consistently. If you see someone you don't know, maybe invite them over for, over for a meal or out for a meal. Invite them over for coffee. If you see someone online you don't know, maybe invite them via Facebook or Zoom to connect with them and to hear what's going on in their lives. Maybe just sit down, be willing to sit down with people and ask them, what's your story? How did you come to know Jesus? How can I be praying for you? Ask them what they learned this past year. Spend time getting to know others and make every effort to repeat the process on at least a monthly basis, spending time and energy in just to enjoy who they are. Be intentional to invest in just one relationship from restoration. If you don't know where to start, if you don't know who to start a new friendship with, Maybe one of the easiest ways is to get to know people is by serving with others. Looking back at every church that I've served at, the people that I have loved the most, the people that, I, that have loved me the most, were the people that I served alongside in children's ministry, in greeting, in sound, even in life groups. These are the people that I have become the closest to because we are doing something together. If you... Uh, Serve teams are a place for us to not just serve others, but also a place for us to meet new people. You can join a, a serve team by going to restorationyakima.com serve. But be surprised. The more that you spend time with people, asking the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see them how God sees them, you find that you learn more about God and you grow in your faith as a result. Will it, all, will it always be easy? Probably not. Will it be comfortable to invest in a new relationship? Not always. But will it be good for your faith? Absolutely. God is going to use how you love others to grow us as a way to grow closer and to look more like Christ in our life. Imagine what restoration would look like if everyone sought to love just one person in 2021. I think I'd see, we would see every area of our church grow in relationships. We would see marriages and families that are broken, that are hurting, be strengthened. We would see leaders developed and leaders sent out. We would see people come to know the Lord. We would see people be baptized. I believe that if we all pursue relationships this next year, 
we will see God work throughout our church in tremendous and profound ways. If everyone seeks to love just one person they don't know at Restoration Church, it's easy to see how we will become a welcoming church. People will see the community happening here and they will want to be a part of it. The people who don't know Jesus will come to know him by being loved and welcomed into the family at Restoration. As we think about 2021, there's potential for God to grow us in love. The potential for us to see God growing us in love excites me. It gives me a glimpse into the future. Restoration Church, you are loved. I'm eager to see what God has for us this year. Will you pray with me?